0: Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of microchurches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Today we're continuing our Christmas Town series as we travel through the Christmas story through all the towns and villages where it all took place. Now, as we're leaving Hebron from last week, we're now headed towards the town that may be the most synonymous with Christmas. I'm curious, when you think of Christmas, what places come to mind? Now, for some, it's New York City, Miracle on 34th Street, Home Alone 2, Elf, all of which take place in New York City, You know, for so many people, the Christmas season officially begins when Santa ends the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade every year in Midtown Manhattan. I have one friend that said when he thinks of Christmas, he thinks of that big Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. Maybe you have memories of Christmas where you grew up. Where would that be for you? For me, that would be Winslow, Arizona. So many memories. Another town that comes to mind when I think of Christmas is Bedford Falls. Have you heard of this town? It's the place where one of the most classic Christmas movies of all times takes place, that Jimmy Stewart classic, It's a Wonderful Life. The movie is a seasonal favorite. I love it. Actually, to me, Bedford Falls is so synonymous with Christmas. It's not just because of the movie, but because I set up a Christmas village every year in the living room, and every small porcelain building is a building from Bedford Falls. I can't think of Christmas without thinking of it. Christmas is so full of such nostalgia and memories for all of us, right, that the very thought of Christmas just takes our minds to different places, cities, and towns. But the town that's most synonymous with Christmas is the place where our Savior entered the world, and it's the town that's the second stop for us today in our story. Now, I know you know it. You've heard the Christmas song. Sing it with me. Oh, little town of... That's right, Bethlehem. Bethlehem holds center stage in this story because it's the birthplace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just want to pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So... You know, I think sometimes we get so familiar with this story that I'm afraid we miss the absurdity of what's happening in this moment. This is the most important birth in the history of the world. Wouldn't you agree? You'd expect the birth of the creator of the universe, the one who holds all things together, the king of all kings, to occur with all the fanfare and celebration that such a birth would deserve. For thousands and thousands of years, God's people had been waiting for their coming Messiah, and he was finally here. God himself was about to enter creation, put on flesh, and finally arrived to rescue his people from their sins. This event was huge. It was ginormous, massive, colossal. This deserved, I think, to be shouted from the rooftops. Have every world dignitary present on the front page of the Jerusalem Times, if there was such a thing. If I was God planning this event, Jesus would have been born in the biggest palace with the best doctors around, and Mary would have been taken care of with the best care in all of Israel. Of course, I'm not God, and neither are you. Instead, Jesus was born in a stable. That's absurd. He was born in a place where the animals were kept, and he was placed as a newborn in a manger, in a feeding trough. This wasn't exactly the way Mary and Joseph planned on bringing God's only son into the world. It wasn't the way we would plan on bringing God's only son into the world. It wasn't in a palace and there wasn't much fanfare. It was just two scared kids who probably felt they were, they probably felt they were weighing over their heads and were probably wishing they could provide something just a little bit better for their newborn child. Every time I read this part of the story, I'm reminded that we serve a God whose ways don't often make sense to us. But he knows exactly what he's doing, and he always has a plan. It's easy to get so focused on what's happening right now in the moment and forget the bigger picture, isn't it? We want to know everything. We want to have an explanation for everything. Let me just describe it this way to you. It seems to me that so often we're playing checkers while God is playing chess. Checkers, checkers is a simple game with very little strategy, and if you love playing checkers, don't get offended. There's some strategy, but chess is a game that's much more complex. It involves tremendous strategy in order to win a game. In fact, your very first move can impact whether or not you win or lose hundreds of moves later. To win at chess, every move has to be very strategic and intentional. That's what God's doing. Even when we don't understand, every move he makes and every plan he puts in place is part of a larger strategy, a larger story that he's telling. For example, no one would have ever guessed that such an important event would ever happen in a stable in Bethlehem. No one would have guessed. No one would have ever guessed it unless they were paying attention. This wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't one of those baby got born in the back of an Uber because somebody didn't plan very well kind of stories. Nope, this was God's plan from the very beginning. A plan that the prophet Micah spoke about 700 years before the birth announcements went into the mail. Actually, Micah says in Micah chapter five, verse two, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. In Micah's prophecy, God eliminated all other cities and towns in the world as possibilities. Jesus' birthplace would not be the capital city of Jerusalem or even the place Joseph and Mary lived, which was Nazareth. Both places would have been logical choices, but God instead chose a tiny village near Jerusalem because he's playing chess. Now, what led to Bethlehem and what happened to Bethlehem were not afterthoughts in the mind of God. They were what I call beforethoughts. In other words, it was all part of his plan. He knew that this was going to be the place where Joseph and Mary would have to be at the time that Jesus was supposed to be born into the world. He knew that they were going to face a journey at a less than ideal time, only to face a frustration of hearing, sorry, all full at every inn that they visited. God knew, so God provided, even though it was a long journey to Bethlehem. There was going to be a less than ideal birthing room, but God provided And Joseph and Mary, who were called by God, trusted God to work out the details. And he did. And guess what? You can trust God to do the same in your life. Why? Because he knows you. He's known you before you were a twinkle in the eye of your mother and father. Listen to the words that we read from Jeremiah 1.5. Now, Before I read these, to be faithful to the context, these words are spoken specifically about the prophet Jeremiah, but there's no doubt they could just as easily have been spoken about each one of us. Here goes, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God knew what he wanted for Jeremiah and he knows what he desires for us too. And he's working to bring those things about. I think it's safe to say that God cares about you so much so that he tunes into the most minute detail about you. I think that's the point that Jesus is making whenever he speaks the words in Luke chapter 12. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. As much as I love and care about my kids, there's not one time that I've taken the time to count the hairs on their heads, but God counts ours. Now, isn't that amazing? Doesn't that make you just want to know more about the one who knows everything there is to know about you? I hope so. More importantly, God hopes so. He so desires a relationship with you, with me, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. It's why Jesus, the creator and ruler of the universe, took on the nature of a mere vulnerable ba- baby. And know this, God is always working for our good, even when, or I might say, especially when life seems to deliver one sorry, no room for you disappointment after another. You do your best again and again, only to hear sorry, no room for you. So you keep hoping and praying. And again, you hear, sorry, no room for you. So what do you do? You do the next right best thing. The apostle Paul reminds us of the truth in Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And here's the kicker. Micah prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, but that is not why Joseph and Mary went there. They went there because they had to, period. The Roman government dictated that every person had to return to their hometown for the taking of the census. Everybody from the house of David showed up in Bethlehem. (laughs) Great. Now of all times, There's no getting out of it, even if a pregnant woman who was about to give birth to a long-anticipated Messiah said she didn't want to go. You see, avoiding the census was like trying to get out of serving jury duty. In other words, no matter how good the excuse is, it's not going to happen. If you've ever tried to get out of jury duty, good luck. Anyway, I have a hunch that this was the last trip Mary wanted to take, but she had no choice in the matter. And if Mary was like every other expectant mother, there's no doubt that her overwhelming desire was to be back home in Nazareth before the baby arrived. Sometimes, though, as life happens, you and I have to do things, not illegal or wrong, but certainly inconvenient. And we think that if we didn't have to, didn't have to do those things, life would be so much better. But that's not how life works for us. And it didn't work out that way for Mary or Joseph either. On that night, so many years ago in a stable located in that small village, Mary's water broke. I can imagine when it did, a 20-foot wave of disappointment and fear crashed hard over her and Joseph. But whatever they felt, all was going to be fine because the God who knew this, he knew this was the way life was going to play out for them. Long before it happened, he was with them. You ever had a moment like this, a moment when life didn't work out the way you thought it was supposed to, a time when you found yourself in a place you never dreamed you would be? Sure you have. We all have. How many of you are planners? You just love to plan your day and your week, the next 10 years of your life. Let me give you something to put in your plan. You ready for this? You can plan that your plan is probably not going to work out exactly the way that you've worked it out in your head. Okay, it's, it's not always true. Sometimes things go just right. We're in the exact place, doing the exact thing with the exact people that we plan. but life tends to have so many twists and turns, wouldn't you agree, that we often find ourselves in places and situations that we find less than idea. When that happens, please keep this in mind that one of the ways God works all things together for good is that He plans ahead. He's never caught by surprise trying to adjust on the fly. You're never going to hear God say, wow, I never never saw that coming. You see, the train you feel like just hit you out of nowhere, God saw it coming long before it left the station. He didn't just see it coming. He immediately began to plan the work and purpose from that very moment. And listen. In the same way that God knew that the census would happen in this exact time in the history that would require Joseph and Mary to travel to Bethlehem, whether they wanted to go or not, he knows about the Bethlehem moments that happen in our lives, too. One of my anchor points when, this, when crazy things happen in my life is I remind myself that nothing that happens in the world catches God off guard. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Does it catch us off guard? Yeah. Yeah pandemics and election results don't catch God off guard, though. Maybe you lost your job. Didn't surprise God. Maybe you received bad news that you weren't expecting. That didn't surprise him either. It may have surprised you, but it didn't surprise him. I remember once driving down the turnpike here in Florida and about 15 car lengths in front of me, there's a pickup pulling a trailer and they've got a bunch of tiles sitting on the front of the trailer. They're loose. They're not Strapped down. Of course, I didn't know that, but suddenly the wind began to pick up these tiles and they began to float in front. They just began to float until finally they rose above the, the uh, draft of uh, the air that was flowing over the pickup. And when it did, they flew back. They hit the the highway in front of me, and they just began to explode. And it was like I was in an episode of Star Wars or space movie with space-to-be debris and rocks flying, literally exploding when they hit the pavement. And every time a piece hit the pavement, it exploded again. It was very exciting. It was damaged to the front of my truck, the grill, the left side, but I couldn't stop and take care of it. I had this I had this flash of a thought, what do I do? Do I chase the guy down? Maybe convert him and then kill him? Chase him and get the license plate number? Probably everyone else around me was doing the same thing. But when traffic is flowing at 70 plus miles per hour, it's not easy to stop. Plus, the guy exited on another toll road, whatever. Life happens. But life happens like that. It happens fast and sometimes it's later after the fact that we're working through the details and sometimes we're just wondering what happened. And when we realize it, we say, hmm, maybe I, can, maybe I can do something about that. For me, it's when I got home, I was telling my wife what happened. And she said, you should call the insurance agent. The insurance agent said, sure, file a claim. And I did. And the guy assessed the damage and he wrote a check and the truck was repaired. But here's my point in telling you that story. Sometimes life is like that. Now, there's no doubt because of the circumstances of life that some of you find yourselves in, it's just inconvenient, if not really difficult. You would really prefer to be somewhere else doing something else with your life. Today, we've spent time in Bethlehem to be reminded that the best decision we can make in these moments is to do the next right thing that's exactly what mary and joseph did they went to bethlehem because it was the next right thing for them to do doing the right thing get this led to prophecy being fulfilled god will not waste any moment if you'll be open to his work in your life rather than simply bemoaning the fact that life is not what you want it to be please don't misunderstand me i'm not saying that there's no place for grief It is crushing when life doesn't work out the way we plan. Grieving is so important, but there comes a point that we have to begin to look for what God wants to do in and through us in our less than ideal circumstances. There are things God wants you to learn, conversations He's prepared for you to have, impact He desires for you to make right where you are. How can I be so sure? I am sure because every time I visit Bethlehem, I'm reminded that God knows how to get us where we need to be when we need to be there. So wherever you are today, embrace it. You don't have to like it, but you can embrace the unexpected and trust that God is up to something in your life. He knows how to get you where you need to be to do what he's called you to do. God had to get you where you are in order to take you where he wants you to go. So listen, even when life feels like it's out of control, exploding in front of you, just keep going, just keep moving and do the next right thing. Because no matter where we find ourselves in challenging situations, in good situations, God gives us faith to take our next step and do the right thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the faith that you give to your people. I pray, Father, you will help us to not be terrified, to not be afraid, but to be faithful. Help us, Father, to be faithful to you in all things, and may you be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.